Welcome to Standard Chartered India Money Insights, a podcast series that brings you topical insights and local perspectives on India's markets from the experts. Hi, I'm Ravi Singh, Chief Investment Strategist at Standard Chartered Bank India. Welcome to another edition of Views from the Street, bringing you market views and insights on how you should look at your investments from industry veterans and experts. Today, we are joined by Mr. Ashish Gupta, Chief Investment Officer at Access Mutual Fund. Thank you, Ashish, for joining our podcast. Thanks, Ravi, for having me. So let's get to the most pressing question on investors' minds. 2023 has witnessed quite a few twists in the plot so far. We started the year with a cautious outlook on global growth and relatively less hawkish policy stance from central banks. But quite the opposite seems to be in play. So how do you see India's macro fundamentals, especially in the global context? Uh, Hi, Ravi. Thank you for having me on this platform. Uh, No, that's a very interesting observation. Uh, 2023 has been a year of uncertainties. It has played out very differently than what we expected it to at the start of the year. Uh, In addition to the fact you mentioned, another interesting uh, turn of events has been that at the start of the year, we expected China to have a strong year after its post-COVID opening up and US to have a major slowdown after the 500 basis point rate hike by the Fed. Ironically, uh, what we have seen is uh, US growth better than expected. Uh, and in contrast, China uh, has uh, gone from not uh, into not just a cyclical, but really uh, concerns about a structural slowdown with issues around uh, leverage levels, issues of uh, overbuild in its uh, real estate sector. I think where uh, the markets were surprised was that despite the fact that US uh, rates uh, went up by 500 basis points and early on there was a monetary tightening, in the month of March and April, there was again a flood of money printing in the US uh, following the Silicon Valley Bank crisis. In addition, uh, the US fiscal remained excessively loose and in uh, the first half of the US financial year, the fiscal deficit actually jumped from 3% of GDP to 6% of GDP. Right. So there was a 300 basis points boost that came from the fiscal side, which was unexpected. and. Uh, what that has meant is that the U.S. recession, which was expected in the third quarter of 2023, has not materialized. My belief still is that we are uh, still going to have a recession in the U.S. It's a recession delayed rather than averted. And uh, the recession more likely is to now um, be there in the first quarter of 2024 uh, rather than the 2023 event. The central banks are likely to persist in the U.S. Uh, with higher rates. While uh, we may be peaking in terms of rates, I don't think rate cuts are going to immediately follow given how sticky the inflation has been. And therefore, given both the large drivers of global economy, US and China are going to face major headwinds over the next six months, I'm actually quite uh, pessimistic about my outlook for global growth. And how does India you know, stack up in that order? Do you see any challenges to India's growth outlook? 
Yes, so oh, I think India will have its impact from the uh, global growth slowdown. India has strong domestic drivers, but it is also well connected into the global ecosystem, both from the manufactured exports as well as the growing services exports. As you know, our services exports are already 10% of GDP and a big contributor to the economic activity here. Given the fact that we have already seen, even on the manufactured side, almost 40-50 billion dollars degrowth in exports. On the services side, if the listed IT services companies are uh, any indicator, uh, growth rates that were running in high teens to 20% are now expected to be in single digits. So there is a big negative delta on growth in that part of the economy. Uh, what is uh, very promising is that on a broader basis, India's macro fundamentals remain very strong. If we see our stability indicators, including uh, the current account deficit, the balance of payment, the forex reserves, they are very comfortable. And uh, what that has meant is that even though because of higher global rates, there might be a volatility in the flow of foreign capital, that does not necessarily have an overbearing impact on the domestic economy. We are also seeing uh, in the domestic economy the internal drivers remaining strong. So consumption has remained reasonably healthy, although it has not accelerated post-COVID across all segments uh, as one would expect. We are actually now after the period of 10 years seeing a revival in uh, investment activity in the economy. Uh, on back of uh, the fact that uh, corporate balance sheets have been delivered, uh, there is capex spending that is starting to come. Public sector capex has been very strong now for multiple quarters, and uh, just in the last two quarters, we are seeing signs of private capex also coming in. Uh, so, investment demand pickup is something that will add. Uh, a boost to the Indian growth. On top of it, from markets perspective, we have seen improved corporate profitability. So corporate profitability that had fallen to just about 2% of GDP in the last few quarters has improved to 4.5% of GDP. Uh, so I think all these put together means that the medium term outlook for growth in India is still very robust, even though in the short run it faces challenges of a weaker global growth. Now coming to the second question uh, on the markets now, Indian equities have rallied sharply since March and that's after a long lull of 18-19 months and uh, you know they've rebounded very strongly. But over the past few weeks, uh, they seem to have agree with you that there has been sharp rally. So if you see in the last three months, Nifty is up 6%, but if you look at the broader market, it is up much more strongly than that. And one of the triggers for this has been the fact that you have had foreign flows are turning positive for the Indian market since April. Domestic flows over the last three years have been consistently coming in, but uh, foreign flow that had been absent for the last two years and that had led to daily markets going sideways for 18-19 months turned positive and there have been, uh, I think, almost $20 billion or so of inflow since March-April. The trigger point for that change was, again, the surge in global liquidity in March-April after the uh, SPB crisis. 
as well as the fact that global central bank stance appear to be moderating and you had uh, long bond yield us treasury yields moderating by almost 100 basis points right but uh, i think uh, we have to be careful about the direction of foreign flows because in the past uh, 3 months now uh, if you see the us 10 year yield has gone up by almost 100 basis points from roughly 3.5% it is now closer to 4.3%. So you have seen a pickup in global yields and that does determine the near term trend in capital flows despite the fact that India's growth outlook relative to the global growth remains very positive the fact that you have had this change in global rates again means that uh, you might see volatility in global flows again and that's a potential risk to the market domestic flows continue to be very consistent i think we also uh, as i mentioned are expecting corporate earnings to remain robust but we need a phase of consolidation for the really the earnings to grow into the valuation that the market commands right so the fact that the indian market premium has expanded now is definitely a headwind to the overall market performance so we should expect a phase of consolidation now coming to you know the risk that you've highlighted and the robust macros uh, one question that investors do have their on their mind is how to then position the portfolios uh, in the current context one where there is potential over the long term but there are near term risks so how does one go about uh, positioning the portfolio and if there are any other structural opportunities medium term that you see so i think uh, for portfolio positioning or for investing one of the most uh, important consideration is that you need to have a longer term outlook right so i think uh, one should not look at portfolio or, or construction of portfolio churn on a 3 6 month basis if we have a 2 3 year time horizon for investing uh, that is what uh, should be the underpinning for the portfolio construction when we at actives uh, look at our fund and the uh, way we think about investing we actually try to do it much more on a bottom up basis rather than on a sectoral basis uh, so we try to identify companies that have quality management uh, have strong balance sheets uh, have either the industry leading positions or positions in the market where, where they are gaining share uh, and it is by identifying these companies we kind of build up a, a put portfolio for our schemes uh, yes uh, there is a broader construct of the sectoral weights that comes into play but it is more than outcome really rather than the starting point of constructing the portfolio today for example among the sectors we are overweight we are overweight auto and auto uh, ancillaries uh, we are overweight financial stocks we are overweight some of the consumption names uh, because we expect that after the last nearly 4 years of uh, low growth uh, we should see some degree of revival and uh, the other key theme that we are playing is uh, the revival of the investment capex right uh, because that had been missing for nearly a decade and uh, we believe now there can be a 
period of multi-year growth for companies in this segment. Thanks, Ashish sir. Thanks for your valuable insights, and it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you, Ravi. Happy to be on this phone. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered India Money Insights. Stay tuned for the latest updates and market trends by subscribing to our podcast. For more information, reach out to your Standard Chartered Relationship Manager or visit www.se.com/in.